Today we begin a sermon series for the season of Eastertide. Each week we're going to dive into one word. The, the sermon title will just be one word, and it's usually a word we hear often in church, and this is a word that has a special significance for us in light of Easter and in light of the resurrection of Jesus. Our Easter word this morning is shepherd, a familiar word in the church as it's a word that, or a, an image that appears quite frequently in the Bible. So far, we've read the beautiful Psalm 23 uh, that describes the Lord as our shepherd and um, and, and also indirectly uh, the the idea of a shepherd uh, from our reading from 1 John. Now we turn to the gospel where Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. This self-description comes not on its own but in context. Jesus in the gospel has just healed a man born blind in the previous chapter. Now he's explaining how such a healing is truly part of his mission and ours as his followers. I invite you now to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 10th chapter of John's gospel, beginning with the 11th verse. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep who do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay my life down in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from the Father. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is a show. It's, it's no longer on uh, running new episodes on TV, but usually you can seem to find a rerun if you flip through the right channels. It's a show called Dirty Jobs. The show's host, Mike Rowe, would begin each episode by saying that he explores the country looking for people who aren't afraid to get dirty hard-working men and women who earn an honest living, doing the kinds of jobs that make civilized life possible for the rest of us. Every episode would explore jobs that involve getting dirty, everything from collecting trash to cleaning up roadkill to several jobs involving sewage treatment to hot tar roofing, and, well, there are plenty more, but I think you get the picture. I thought of the show this week as I pondered our reading and the dominant image that serves as our Easter word today, shepherd. I think as 21st century Christians living in the U.S., we're far removed from a day and time where shepherding was a common profession. And we sort of have a tendency of the church of glamorizing the work of a shepherd. We think of cute little lambs and a gentle shepherd guiding them along through a pretty countryside, But being a shepherd in the first century was anything but a glamorous job. It, like many of the professions Mike Rowe would explore, was a dirty job. It required being out with dirty sheep, 
who would often get scared and scatter, they would wander away. Plus, it was a dangerous job. Shepherds often risked their lives while leading their flock in the wilderness from predators or bandits who would come and steal sheep for their valuable wool. Shepherds were not among the high and mighty in society. They were lowly. They were on the margins of their community. This is why David in the Old Testament had the job of a shepherd growing up. He was the youngest son in his family, therefore the son with the lowest status. This is but a glimpse of a first century shepherd, a dirty, smelly, dangerous, and lowly profession. One scholar, Nancy Blakely, claims that a modern-day equivalent might be for Jesus to say, I am the good migrant worker. In our reading, Jesus calls himself a shepherd, but not just any shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. What does this mean for us as Easter Christians? Jesus begins this phrase with I am, which at first glance may not seem very significant. But if we remember, back to the Old Testament, I am is the personal name of God. This is a name that was first revealed to Moses at the burning bush. And because of this, we know that here, Jesus is identifying himself with God's mission and work in the redemption of creation. He's identifying himself with God. Next, Jesus qualifies himself as good. Usually when we think of the word good in English, we think of the opposite of bad, as in morally superior to something else. And that's it's not false here, but that's not really what Jesus is getting at in the statement. The word for good in Greek Jesus uses here is kalos, and it signifies the model, the true, the ideal of something. If it were my translation, I might have translated this as Jesus saying, I am the shepherd. Not a shepherd among others, but the shepherd. This idea is a nod to the Old Testament image of God as a shepherd, one that we saw very clearly in Psalm 23, but we also see it later in the prophet Ezekiel, where the prophet claims that God will come and be the shepherd of God's people, where God will lead, protect, feed, seek out the lost, and gather the flock back together. Jesus, by calling himself the good, the Kalash shepherd, means that he is identifying with this image of God in Ezekiel. He is the true, the model, the ideal shepherd that God has promised for God's people. Again, we see Jesus underline that his mission is directly fused with God's work of redemption. Jesus is not like a hired hand. He has skin in the game because he is one with the Father. So now we have a little bit more clarity on the significance of Jesus as the good shepherd. But what does this mean now in light of the resurrection? The church historically has believed that this image is so significant during the season of resurrection that every year on the fourth Sunday after Easter, the lectionary uses Psalm 23 and other readings that that highlight this role of God and, and Christ as our shepherd. So here's the Easter significance. On this side of Easter, we can trust that we are part of the Good Shepherd's flock. The risen Christ, our Good Shepherd, has laid down his life for his sheep and has taken it up again. 
And Jesus helps us see this resurrection reality in three different ways to show the significance of the image of the risen Christ as our good shepherd and what that means for how we are to live today as part of his flock. So the first way is that he shares that the good shepherd knows his sheep and he knows them. Or sorry, that the good shepherd knows his sheep and that we know him. This is the relational nature of Christ to us along our journey of faith. No matter how far we might feel from God, from our own faith, we can trust that the good shepherd is still calling us out by name and remembering us. Second, the good shepherd guides us. This is described by Jesus saying that the sheep hear and respond to his voice. The shepherd doesn't just know us and care for us, he continues to guide us through life if we only listen for his voice calling out to us. These first two seem especially significant today as we celebrate the work of our confirmation students leading us in worship today. This year, they have spent the entire year discerning their faith. They are listening for their calls to become members of Christ's flock. Every year, our confirmation students show us that it's okay to have questions, to wrestle with something as foundational as our faith in God, and something as vital as what this faith looks like when it's lived out in community. And friends, this leads us to our final aspect of Christ shepherding love. And that is that the good shepherd gathers us. Here we get my favorite verse of this passage, and that's verse 16. And I think it's the one that speaks to us most urgently today. Here's what Jesus says. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Here, Christ reaffirms his mission to gather out the lost, to seek and to gather, to bring us all into the same fold. He will not rest, he will not be satisfied until all have been brought back into the fold. Even and perhaps especially the outcasts, the odd, even that coworker with whom you seem to disagree about everything. The good shepherd will not rest until all are gathered into one flock. I think we're lying to ourselves if we don't admit that this is both a comfort but also a challenge to us in our polarized and divided world today. It reminds us that if we think that everyone in Jesus' flock looks like us or speaks the same language as us or has the same opinions or votes the same, or even has the same way of worshiping God, that we have to ask ourselves who we are following. Because Jesus here is clear. The good shepherd is calling all, reaching out, will not rest until the lost have been found. The comfort here, I think, is that John, the gospel writer, is very clear in how he words this to, to show us, to show members of Christ's flock, that's not our job to gather the flock. That's the role of the good shepherd, the risen Christ. This is a good reminder to us, and to be honest, it's a really good reminder to preacher folks like myself. 
it seems that this may be where the church has come up short over the years in the work of evangelism, of spreading the good news of God's love for us in Christ. So what is our role then as members of Christ's flock? I think this passage shows us that it's to work diligently, to work and not rest like the good shepherd, to make our community welcoming and inclusive of all, that they might be embraced and nurtured as part of Christ's flock, just as they are without judgment or exception. So what is this love? What is this this welcome? What does this kind of hospitality look like? I was especially moved by a story in a book I've been reading entitled Love Big, Be Well by a, a pastor named Wynne Collier. In the book, he chronicles the fictional letters of a pastor to his small town church. One of these letters highlights an event in their church from a man named Hank. And in church one Sunday, Hank shared his faith story. And in particular, he shares about his father in this faith story. Hank remembers his father as a serious and uncomplicated man, a man whom he had only witnessed laugh twice in his life. Hank's father valued his love for God, for family, and a deep devotion to the land as a farmer. She can imagine that Hank was terrified to tell his father while on a college break years ago that he was no longer sure if he believed in God. He recalls sitting at the kitchen table with his father, being unable to look at him in the eye. After sharing where his mind was, his father waited a moment took a deep breath and a sip of coffee and said, that's a lot to carry, Hank. How long have you felt that way? Hank answered, I'm not sure, maybe a year. His father finished his coffee slowly and said, well, I guess you know most everything I would say to you, right? Hank replied, yes, yes, I think I do. Finally, his father says, all right then. I love you. I love you no matter what you believe. Hank shared that there were many things that allowed him to recover faith, or as he puts it, allowed faith to recover him. But he's certain that this conversation with his dad, the gentleness, the lack of fear his father showed him, this proved to be the foundation Hank reflects, through my, though my return was long and arduous, that was the moment. That was the moment I began to believe that maybe the story was true. That maybe love really does hold us all together. Can't you just hear Jesus' voice through this story? I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock, one shepherd. His father didn't bring him back to the flock. That was the good shepherd's doing. But his father provided his son, Hank, a welcoming and loving community in their home, something that embodied Christ's own hospitality. So it is for us in the church, friends, to be a community that is welcoming and united in Christ, yet a community that celebrates our own differences of opinion and acknowledges that we're all on different places in this journey of faith. Friends in Christ, on this side of the resurrection, 
We belong to the good shepherd's flock. The risen Christ as our shepherd knows us, guides us, and most importantly, gathers us that we might be in one flock with one shepherd. May we as his flock seek to cultivate a welcoming and inclusive community where all are accepted and loved unconditionally, that together we might hear and respond to the voice of our good shepherd and joyfully embrace others into his flock. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.